Thanks for tuning in. You are now listening to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast with your host, Ken Cairns, a weekly sports card podcast with lessons he's learned in the hobby and life lessons he's learned along the way. So sit back and relax. There won't be a test. The only thing being graded is the cards. You are now on with Ken. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast with me, your host, Ken. I'm a retired teacher documenting my hobby journey here on the pod, finding teachable moments to share with all of you along the way. Don't forget to hit me up on social media, on Instagram, at sportscard underscore lessons. Hit the follow button. And you can also find me on my YouTube channel by searching Sports Card Lessons. If you like what you hear, please like, definitely subscribe, and most importantly, tell a friend and spread the word. Welcome, everyone. How is everyone doing? This week, as promised, a joint episode with myself and my good friend, Rob Gerard, the sports card therapist. I hope you enjoy the episode. And without further ado, here we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning into the Sports Card Therapist and the Sports Card Lessons podcast. We have a rather unique episode today. Ken. What are we doing? We are collaborating today, Rob. Good to see you. <laughs> Good to see you too, man. Good yeah, to see you too. an episode together, you know, an extra episode this week, a uh, little collaboration from the both of us. Yeah, man, definitely. So, so, you know, Ken, obviously he's a friend of the show, uh, one of the founding members of the Wolf Pack, And, uh, you know, we've talked, uh, he's been on here plenty of times. You were just on here a week or two ago. And so we set up at the Hofstra show this past weekend, but on separate days. And we had a conversation. You, you called, I set up on Saturday, you set up on Sunday and you called me on your way home on Sunday from the show. And we ended up talking for about 90 minutes, right? It was like a 90 minute ride. We ended up talking yeah, for 90 minutes. Home. The whole way home. I was like, okay, I'm home. I got to go. <laughs> exactly so and and this is definitely something we do on a regular basis i mean we talk daily right and it's just kind of to check in see where we're at what's going on and um and you know after we had talked we had said man let me tell you something um i feel like the conversation we had was a rather compelling conversation and i think it needs to be on the podcast and i know that you, since you were just on mine in the last week or so, you had said, listen, Rob, I'm going to get you on in the next week or so. So I pitched the idea to you. I said, dude, what about if we just did an episode and literally aired the same episode on both of our channels? Um, do you think that would be like, is there anything wrong with that? And you were like, no, let's do it. Yeah. I mean, I think we have a lot of the same listeners. Uh, and I think we talk about a lot of the same things. And I think sometimes when you and I talk, I go to my podcast and I talk about certain things and you go to yours. And I think there's some things left kind of left out probably on both of them. Uh, and, and a lot of that may be just that conversations that we have on the, you know, on these rides, just comparing notes, you know, especially when you're at, at a show on one day and I'm at that same show the next day. And what are we doing? We're comparing notes. We're talking about, you know, what our sales are, what what our observations of the room is, what, you know, what our feelings are in the hobby and, and, and you know, the direction that that it's going, what we what we think is going to happen 
Uh, and and by you know, who are we, right? We're just we're just a small percentage of people in this hobby. But I think you know what we see. I think most people see, and I think most people have an idea of you know the direction of the hobby is going. And we know people who have been in the hobby for many years, and and we're we're talking to them, and they they're coming up kind of with the same conclusion as well. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, I tell you, we are really, really spoiled, right? I feel like we're really spoiled by being on the East Coast. Um, You know, I feel like when it comes to shows, I know the West Coast has some great shows. I know uh, the South has some great shows. I know the Midwest has some great shows, right? There's great shows all over the world. Canada has some great shows. Um, But I tell you, the, the feedback that I get from most people are man you guys don't even know how lucky you are to have those shows on the east coast because you know our cup runneth over with shows right it's like there's no shortage of shows i can throw a rock and hit a card show any day of the week and for the most part when we throw a rock and hit one of those card shows it's usually a good card show right i mean especially since you know we got back in the hobby uh right around the same time right at the beginning of the pandemic and and when we got back in and i was we were both really getting used to um the sports card culture and the sports card community it was bustling yeah i mean it was did we get in at the right time? Did we get in at the wrong time? Right. I mean, if we would have jumped in a year or two earlier, you know, we, we, who knows where we would have been now, but when we got in, I mean, it was, you know, if you, you, you're, you're comparing it to a car on the highway in the fast lane, you know, just pedal to the metal in the fast lane. That's what the hobby has been. And I think now uh, it's, you know, starting to slow down that foot's coming off the gas a little bit. Uh, and, and as we, as we look at it, I, you know, when you said we were spoiled, I thought you were going to say we were spoiled because we jumped in at a time where, you know, the hobby was just really rocking and rolling. Uh, and now it's, we see it starting to slow down, but yeah, you're right. I think we're spoiled as well because of all the shows we have here. I message with people. I have listeners from other States and they have to wait months to go to a show. Right. Unless they want to get on a plane or really travel hours and hours. They and they look forward. It's a big buildup. Kind of like, you know, I talked about we talked about together. I talked about on my pod when we set up at August at the East Coast National. Right. And then we had to wait all the way till uh, October. Right. So that was August to October before we did the Springfield show. Right. I mean, I was climbing the walls. I was going to every local show I could. I was like, I just want to do a show. You know, I was going through my inventory, going through my inventory, just like really getting ready for the next show. So I can't imagine if you're living in like like Texas or, or, you know, a state that's so so large like that, that you're waiting so long for a show. And if you want to go to a show, you literally have to get on a plane or you need to drive. Yeah. yeah, man. So, so, uh, this was our second time, right. Setting up at Hofstra and typically you and I, we set up together now, you know, because I have young kids and your kids are all grown. Um, I always end up setting up on Saturday, which is the busiest day. 
and because I want to pick the busiest day to do it if I'm going to do one day. But and usually you're right there with me, right? Yep. And then usually on Sunday yep. you're set up alone. But this time you actually had plans on Saturday, so you said, you know what, Rob? How about this? How about you set up on Saturday alone, and then I'll just set up on Sunday alone because I have plans. And yep. and that that was like okay great fine that works no problem i know your plans ended up falling through which is unfortunate you could have come saturday but um you know it just didn't end up happening so but but we were able to get a full rounded perspective of the hofstra show and i could remember when you and i we first went to the hofstra show as spectators it was about exactly 12 to 13 months ago right i think it was 12 months ago we went there um and and like you had said before that was the first show you actually ever even attended um and you know and and i came prepared remember i had my zion box i had cards you know we were a zion box on wheels i had a zion box so it wasn't a, an official zion box but yes it was and what's crazy is it comes full circle because i let my my high school buddy um come with me to hofstra this past weekend actually and um and he just set up like a little two row box of raw cards because that's all he has you know he's just literally dipping his toe in the hobby and it, it comes full circle because i just gifted him that box on wheels because he didn't have anything to put his cards in he had been putting it in shoebox and so i said you know what dude take this case boom so that show was packed it was mobbed a year ago right i mean you couldn't walk you couldn't move fast forward what six months you and i set up at hofstra and it was the same vibe it was mobbed yeah. i i want to say i want to say that was was it april maybe yeah it was Does april. that sound right Yep. So it, that was in April and that was mobbed and that was the biggest show I had ever had. You know, I think in terms of sales and trades, um, I did like 45 K it was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so that show was mobbed and, and you had a pretty decent show. I know that you didn't have the inventory that you have now because you've continued to consolidate and level up, you know, and, and do awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think when it comes to Hofstra, we have very high expectations of what Hofstra is going to be, right? Yeah. Like it's it's literally a mini national. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from from our experiences and what I always say, know the show. I mean, going into that show, I just expected that show to be uh, overwhelming again, right? Just with so many people just packed. I mean, I remember being at your table. I remember your big deals going down. You were drawing crowds in. You know, you were actually, you know, drawing people in because they wanted to see this big, these big deals going down at your table. Um, and people from the from the podcast, too, who you talked about your cards, knew your cards were there, came to the table. I mean, they were they came to this show to try to make a play on some of your cards. So that's kind of how big this show was um, back in April. Yeah, for Saturday for Saturday for you. Um, Definitely. And Definitely. I was by myself on Sunday. And to me, Sunday was the busier day as far as sales last year um, at ho in, in April. Which is so crazy to hear because usually at any two day show, nine times out of 10, Saturday is going to be the day. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think a lot of people and it wasn't football season either, but I think a lot of people. um that that show was well traveled on Sunday. 
uh, yeah. last April. A lot of people. There was a so coming into this year, saying, okay, I had some family commitments that I was going to, you know, I wasn't going to be able to set up Saturday. I wasn't that worried because I did so well back in April on Sunday. I figured, you know, I it's just going to be fine. It'll be fine. I didn't, I didn't think that um, it would be as for me as slow as it was. Yeah. So let's talk about it, man. So Hofstra this time around, um, it was Saturday. There was definitely some good traffic, right? There was some good foot traffic on Saturday. It was, it was pretty well attended. Um, now I think when it comes to a dealer having success at a show, I think that there's a few things that really play into account, right? Like like customers and traffic aside, I think the two main things are what kind of cards do you have in your case and how are they priced? Right? I mean that's that's it's as simple as that. Yeah. Um what I could say is that um you know, there's, and I just talked about this on, on the episode I just dropped this week on Tuesday. I was actually a day late dropping an episode. Um, and I, I talked about it on Tuesday and how, when it comes to like my cards and my inventory, and I have a lot of people that hit me up on Instagram, you know, and they come to me with like these $10,000 cards because they know those are the kind of cards that like, you know, I was always really kind of dealing in, you know, and, mm -hmm. um, and, but when it comes to it now, it's like, I've put, all of my like most of my card money into six to eight monster grail cards so there there's a big disparity between my grail cards that i have that sit usually at the bottom row of my case and then the rest of my case because it goes from high end to low end i have almost no mid-end cards so I don't expect to go there and do 45k in deals because I don't even know aside from my grail cards that I'm really not moving. I don't have 45k in cards in general. So I think that I, for me Saturday there just was not much movement. It felt like I mean Hofstra they know how to bring in a crowd. Eli Manning was there signing, Pete Rose was there signing. RJ Barrett of the Knicks, a local guy, was there signing. There were just a ton of signers. So they know how to bring in a crowd, and the crowds were there. But even talking to other dealers, it just did not feel like people were really spending cash. Yeah, it, I think, and the people who were spending, um, were just holdouts for the best deal they possibly could. And I know in my case, I have a lot of cards that a lot of other people have too. I my, my cards aren't unique where I'm the kind of the only one in the room with these cards. So when people come and and then we're looking up comps on a card and and I'll give you a, for instance, uh, I have a uh BGS 9 2000 uh Brady Bowman Chrome and I and I've been pricing this thing weekly on my podcast. All right, so so and I know uh, I know the comps are are, are right at thirty three hundred dollars on this card. Um, and I had somebody come and we talked. We talked about a deal, and we got all the way through. And he said, "I understand the comps are thirty three hundred. You know, my offer to you is twenty seven cash. Will you take it?" And I said, "No, I can't take that." Uh, we talked a little little while longer. He left. He said, if I if I don't find anything, I'll come back. We'll talk again. Okay. And he did come back later in the day and he showed me the car and said, I got it for 27. 
So there are people in the room and, and this is when it's not that busy at a show. And, and if you if you've been to the national and I'm going to use that, you know, where it's a busy day and you can't get to a table. You know, there's people at all the tables. So when you're going up and you're you're kind of looking over people's shoulder and, you know, you may have to wait five or 10 minutes even to talk to the dealer, you know, to get at a card. Do you want to wait that long or not? And you move on. Um, you're going to end up. If you get into a conversation with somebody, you're going to end up probably buying that card. Right. Because it's it's a lot of work just trying to get to the dealer or get to the cards. But when you go to a show where you could walk up to every table and talk face to face with every dealer, there's no crowds at your at your table. Chances are that you're not going to be able to sell that card at comps because if they and if other people have that same card in the room like mine, where they come up and they see that card and they know now this is my price. So if they come back, this is what they're going to get it for. Now they can go shop around the room and they can go. And if they see it in somebody else's case, what's the best you can do on that? So now if this guy says 3000, now I'm completely out of the, I'm out of that conversation now. Right? So now he's got it at three, but he really wants it at 27. And if somebody in that room is going to sell it to him at 27, he's going to get it at 27. So if the rooms are crowder and the tables are crowder, it's more likely you're going to get a comp price on a card because it's hard to try to get a card at a table because it's hard to get to the dealer and really start to negotiate. But if you're in a very, um, a less with no traffic or where you could just walk up to every table, say, hello, look in the case, kind of like Hofstra was. And I have my stuff is priced. All my stuff has prices on it in my case. So when they look up, they don't even need to talk to me. They know exactly what my prices are. They can make me an offer. We can negotiate. They could either buy or move on. I had, the couple sales that I had, I negotiated with people and they said, okay, maybe, maybe I'll come back for it. And they left and they ended up coming back and saying, uh, are we still good with this card at this price? Yep. Okay. I'll take it. And then they just took good because in the room they could either, they couldn't find that card or they couldn't find that card at that price, the price that they wanted to pay, or that was the best price they could get. Yeah. And, and so I know on Saturday you weren't there. Like we said, we already covered that, right? Um, yep. You weren't there on Saturday. You were there on um, Sunday. You were, yep. yep, you were there on Sunday. But on Saturday, though, and we don't need to say the local show that you went to, but you went to a local show in Connecticut, and you told me that you were walking around. And, and this is a show that, you know, I've had success at. You've had success at, yeah. right? It's been – it's it's it, – I think the reputation of the, of yeah. the show that you and went to is it's a pretty good to, show. Not easy to get a table at that show. Not easy to get a table, right? So yeah. you ended up going to that show on Saturday. So um, Hofstra aside, you went to a local show in Connecticut. Tell me about the vibe um, and of that show and what people were saying at the show, what the dealers were saying. I, the dealers were disappointed. They were disappointed. They were packing up. A lot of them are packing up. I got there at noontime. A lot of them are packing up. At noon, they're packing up? At noon. At noon. Wow. Putting their stuff away. Um, you know, the you know, when you when you come to a room, especially a local show, I know a lot of people. Uh, and I kind of to me, in my mind, I always say, I know this person, and I know this person has 
a lot of cards that I'm usually interested in. So I'm going to kind of keep them for last, right? I'm going to go look to see if I see anything new. And by, and I saw that person, by the time I got around to that person, they had their cases out and they had all their cards in their cases. And I said, what is going on? You're already packed up. And they say, yeah, I'm, I'm going, I'm leaving. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's been, it's today's been painful. And, uh, and there were there were a few tables that were were not there was nobody even set up at at those tables. So it was, yeah, it was. Um, I I've been to the show many times. Uh, I'd set up at the show a few times, and um, it was the first time I saw it like that. Now, did you say to me earlier that someone actually uttered the phrase? A dealer uttered the phrase to you at that local show. The hobby is dead. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, wow. That that that's what people are thinking. And and I am kind of curious, like, because to make that kind of statement, right? That's not anything that I know I want to promote on the show. I don't believe the hobby's dead at no. all. Because you go to a show like Hofstra, and even if there's not a lot of money being spent, uh, because it didn't feel like there was a lot of money being spent at all, really, at Hofstra. I mean, you could really say, well, we have been in a recession for the last nine months. So that absolutely makes sense. This place was packed. So the, I don't think by any means the hobby is dead. But what I'm curious is like checking that source, you know, because I think there's content creators out there and I see people on Instagram and Twitter or wherever the case on social media, and they're kind of echoing that same sentiment that the hobby is dead. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if the person that said that to you, and you don't have to say one way or another, you may know, you may not know, but I'm wondering if that's someone that came in the hobby only two years ago when, you know, everything was selling like hotcakes or if they've been in it for quite some time, because here's the thing, like I talked a little bit about this on my podcast um, earlier this week on Tuesday that dropped, um, you know, uh, I, I know I'm in this for the long haul. I've had so much fun in this hobby. And the thing is, I'm not getting all my fun in the hobby from all the sales and the flips. Don't get me wrong. It's fun consolidating. It's fun leveling up. It's fun, you know, bargaining and, and negotiating and all that stuff. But I get my joy from looking at these pieces of cardboard that I am holding and that are actually part of my PC. So when I hear people saying like the hobby's dead, that's it. First of all, if someone's setting up at a show as a dealer and they're saying that, that worries me. Mm -hmm. you know? I, I think right now with this, you know, the, yes, we're in a recession, but there's been a market correction. And I think that's going to weed people out. I think a lot of people who jumped in during the pandemic, because I think, Anyone who was there, right, probably had a box of cards somewhere in their house, right? At some yeah. point in their life, they collected sports cards, um, <laughs> saw that the market was going up, pulled those cards out, and kind of jumped into the hobby. I know a lot of people who are fresh in the hobby, like who has collected cards, but really got into the, the buying and selling and flipping and things like that because there was money to be made. And, and I think it's going to weed a lot of those people out. I think a lot of those people are just going to move on to whatever the next big thing is. Right. And this is and, and they can say that as they're walking away because they jumped in to a hobby where there was a lot of money moving around and they were able to, you know, you could, you could buy a car 
cart at $100 and sell it two days later for $150 or something like that. And that's great. And, you know, if, if any kind of businessman, you're like, this is perfect. I'll do this all day long. But if you talk to the people who have been in the hobby, have been doing this for 20, 30, 40 years, you know, they talk about all these people that jumped into the hobby and saying all these another year, none of the half these people that jumped in are not going to be in the hobby. And they're, and they're absolutely correct. A lot of these people are going to jump out of the hobby and it's going to, it's going to leave the people who actually love this hobby for what it is for, for the love of the cards. And, and like you're saying, this cardboard that you love, those are the people that are going to stay in it and stay true to it. Yeah, without a doubt, man. And, you know, I actually had a good conversation on Saturday with, um, with a kid who I have, uh, you know, become friendly with over the course of the last year or two. His name is Josiah and he on Instagram, he goes by South Jersey sports cards. He's, he's primarily a soccer guy, but, um, so anyway, so he said, you know, he's talking about how he's, you know, he's got some content ideas in mind and, and really his content now consists of doing IG lives every Monday night, right? Which is really cool. Um, but he's got some extracurricular content ideas and, and he wanted to run some topics by me, you know, and he's like, what do you think of these topics? Blah, blah, blah. And, and I remember saying, making the statement to him, I said, look around this room right now. I said, I think it's safe to say that everyone that is here right now at Hofstra is here to stay in the hobby because as far as like that fast money, that big money, that investor type money, um, that money, it feels like went away probably about nine to 12 months ago. So I don't think there are many people sticking around going to shows or setting up at shows that are, um, you know, better getting out. However, on the flip side, you did tell me a story on Sunday about a guy that came and he was like a deal. Was he a dealer? Tell, tell I, that story. I'm not, I'm not sure because I think a lot of that negotiation, that talk happened on Saturday when I wasn't there. Okay. But on Sunday at Hofstra, there was um, somebody just had an enormous amount of cards and they were just pricing every single card. And I kept you know, at you know, inquiring what what's going on. You know, that's because I thought maybe these cards were for sale. I wanted to grab a handful and start going through as well. You know, when you see when you see a, a, a pile of slabs, I mean, I just want to go in and grab two fisted and grab it and start going through them, right? So uh, they're like, no, 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 these guys are doing a deal. And and uh, from the the story I heard was one guy who was in the hobby, whether he was the dealer or not, wanted out of the hobby, and somebody he else made, he made this statement i'm getting out of the hobby and he sold yep. everything at 60 percent. sold every card in there at 60 percent, and and somebody was there to buy them all cash well, let me tell you if yeah. anyone wants to get out of the hobby and move their stuff at 60 percent, i am a buyer yeah yeah sports card lessons that's the guy you call <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah so you know it's like i i think that there's probably you know you hear these these huge ends of the spectrum, right? On one hand, here I am on Saturday saying, if you're in this room, chances are you are here to stay because the money's basically dried up in the hobby, right? So chances are you're not spending a Saturday at a card show if you know you're trying to invest. Um, well, know, I think we're all looking to invest a little bit, right? We're all yeah, kind of hybrids. But if, 
if you're in the hobby, the money is really coming last. It, like it is to me. Yeah. Right. I enjoy the chase. I enjoy finding cards that I really like and try to find them at a great deal. Right. Um, sometimes I don't even, I didn't even know the card I wanted to buy until it showed up at my table and I saw it. I didn't even know it existed until then. And I'm like, Oh my God, I have to have this card. Right. And, and you know, the people that I meet in the hobby, the friends that I meet, like all day I'm talking with people, whether it's messaging on Instagram and Facebook or uh, through YouTube, through, you know, my podcast. I'm like, these are all new friends that I'm making in the hobby. I mean, they're just great friends and great people that I'm talking to yeah. and making deals with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, so, and I'll so, tell so, you, I think. I was just going to say, I think the money is, 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 la I mean, the money, if you're jumped in here because solely for the money, this is solely a business and you're just here for the money, then they're not going to be here. They're going to be gone. They're going to go find, figure out what the next thing is to do, because I think the, the, the money is, is not going to be uh, as lucrative as it was during the pandemic. So if it's solely about the money and if you're here for the money, I think they're going to move on to do something else. But if you're here for the love of the hobby and the people and, you know, the things that are happening in the hobby, the shows and you're going to be you're going to stick around because I think social media has made this hobby where you can really connect with so many different people and, and find so many different. If there's a card you're looking for, you can find it. And you know what, man? I mean, I think that's probably a great way to end this episode. I mean, it's it, that was phenomenal how you just worded that. Like, if if you are in this hobby and your priority is financial gain, um, chances are you'll be gone sooner than later. And if you're in it for the love of the cardboard, if you're in it for the love of the chase, if you're in it for the love of the transaction, all of those things, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it all needs to come back down to the cards. It's it's all about the cards, whether if you're a content creator, if you're a flipper, if you're a collector, it has to be about the cards, right? Not about the money. The money, yeah, you need money in order to do it, but it's got to be about the cards you really have to like what you're doing you have to i say like or love what you're doing you really have to love what you're doing because it's a lot of hours you're putting a lot of hours into something and if you don't love doing it then then i would find something new to do because when, when you go back and and i, I want to say i think it was your wife that made this comment you know when it came to the hobby they said rob how much are you making an hour in this hobby, right? Because of all the time you put into the hobby, right? Yeah. I mean, if you really broke it down, you're probably getting pennies, pennies on the hour, right? For the amount well, of time. Yeah, no, my, my wife's favorite line, whenever I'm like, if I'm like, if I let out like a big exhale or I'm like, oh my God, I'm tired. She goes, she'll look at me and go, boy, they're really working you. How much are you getting paid? <laughs> You know, and I'm like, oh my god! You know, I just, you know, just like one of those, you know, Ralph crammed and bang, zoom to the moon. That's what I want to do. You know, yeah, that's funny. But, uh, but yeah. yeah, man, listen, Ken, it was awesome doing like our first joint episode like this. This is cool, and um, you know, hope everyone got enjoyment out of it. I'm sure they did. You know, mm -hmm. I know I always have a great time talking to you, man. It's just, yeah, it's, yeah, just like another day. Looking forward to doing it again. Absolutely, man. So if you want to reach out to Ken at sports card underscore lessons or wherever you find your 
podcasts or YouTube. Just search Sports Card Lessons. And same thing with me, Sports Card Therapist. And uh, and that's about it, man. Any closing words before we wrap up? No, I had a lot of fun doing this. And like I said, I, I look forward to doing it again soon. Thanks, Rob. Absolutely, guys. Um, so I'll end with my tagline and you could end with yours. Take care of yourself and your collection. And be good to yourselves and everyone around you.